When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Phil Neville to my Serena Viegman. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Ah, oh, Justin. How are you doing? How's your health? How's my health? It's it's getting there. I mean, Derby County are really pushing it at the moment. Let's be honest, mm. the blood pressure is higher than it probably was before the season started. Hair's thinner, um, skin's a bit paler, and that's I think that's purely down to supporting Derby County. But I digress. How's your health, Ryan? I never ask you. Um. Yeah. All right. It's just all right. Is what it is. Six out of you ten. Know. Uh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. <laughs> I I liked uh, what you were saying about um, Derby County uh, because three games into the season they're, and they're already causing that many health problems for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm already poor worn out, which is absolutely, it goes against everything I say on this podcast about sticking by your manager and uh, some managers. Until it comes to your own team. Until, until it comes to passion and bias. And it's like worn out, adamantly worn out, get Darren Moore in, get a potato in at this rate, because they, you know, a potato could probably see that four, four, two is better than a three, five, two at the moment, but no one's aware of this context. Yeah, I like how when it comes to when you're talking about other teams, uh, you're fairly conservative mm. with uh, what you think teams should do. But then when it comes to your beloved Derby County, it's full blown gammon mode. You go full gammon Obsessing. when it comes to Derby. And I, I'm here for it, Justin. You are full on salty gammon when it comes to Derby, especially when they're not doing very well, which let's be honest, has been for the past decade now. Yep, salty, sizzling and with a slice of pineapple. That's me right now. Oh, beautiful. Absolutely delicious. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, it's time for another preview episode where we look ahead to the weekend's games and just and I each make some predictions. We'll also talk about some of the news from the past few days. Plenty of transfers happening, players leaving, players coming in. So we'll talk about some of the bits and pieces there, plus whatever the hell's going on at Leeds. And then we'll finish off with Scott High or Ryan Lowe right at the end of the show, which rhymes quite nicely. Let's have a look ahead to the weekend then. So in each preview episode of the second tier, Justin and I will each pick a banker, a team we think is guaranteed to win this coming weekend, as well as an outsider. So someone we think is going to win, but is bigger odds with the bookies than their opponents. We're tracking how we do as the season goes on. One point for a correct banker, two points for an outsider. Whoever loses has to do a forfeit, which will be a CrossFit workout for myself, which is apparently puke-inducing, according to Justin Peach. Well, we have now established what your forfeit is going to be, Justin. We did a public vote, of course, last week on what you will have to do. And it's been decided that you'll be doing a coach trip from Sunderland to Plymouth and back. No football manager, 
allowed, which I think is a very important point. Are you satisfied with that result? I was when we were deciding what we were going to do, having looked into it with a goop once the poll went out. I realised that going on, for example, the National Express, it's a 24-hour trip from Plymouth to Sunderland. Oh, my God. <laughs> which I didn't know that. Which, neither did I, <laughs> which I think we dived into it with two feet a little bit too quickly. And quite frankly, um, that could be devastating for me because I can't sit still for longer than two hours. I mean, a, a one-hour podcast sitting still and talking is, is hard enough, let alone... 12 hours and a changeover and then another few hours. It's going to be an eye-opener, should I lose at the end of the season. And back. And back. And back, by the way. Yeah. So it's basically 48 hours we're asking you to spend on a coach if you lose. Can I not go full Plymouth and stand up on a train? Oof. Do you really want to do that? I would, I would rather stand up for six hours than be on a bus for 24 hours. I can that do that. That will be hilariously more expensive, though. Yes, but you know, it's all on. It's all on the podcast, isn't it? I'm not paying for it. Mm. Um, <laughs> the thing is, if there was football manager involved, I think you'd be absolutely fine. But the 48 hour coach journey without any football manager, and I assume your only form of entertainment being your phone, which at one point I was considering banning mm. from the equation as well, but I think that would be exceptionally harsh. It's going to be so mind-numbing. Uh, mind-numbing. It's it's going to be a real mental battle. And I'd be surprised if it isn't featured on uh, SES Who Dares Wins because that is the pinnacle of like sort of mental toughness. If you can last 24 hours without going stir-crazy on a bus, then, then yeah, surely you qualify for some form of SES uh, enrolment, if that's a thing. I would also just like to point out, notice, ladies and gentlemen, how Justin has already acting like he's already lost for the season. <laughs> what a loser mentality One game from Justin Peach. <laughs> Horrendous. <laughs> so the scores after the first weekend of the season are 3-2 to myself. Both Leicester and Birmingham won for me last weekend. Wow, Justin, your outsider won with Preston to beat Sunderland, but your banker of Watford to beat Plymouth didn't. So I have the advantage after the first week. So without further ado, let's find out who Justin Peach is backing as his big boy banker for the weekend. What have you got? I'm going with Sunderland to win at home against Rotherham. Both teams are winless, I know. And it's not quite click for Sunderland yet, but the games have been fine margins for them so far. I said last week, I think it's a good time to play Sunderland. I still think that. And I also think it's a good time to play Rotherham as well. Bookies have the Black Cats as heavy favourites for the win, and it's easy to see why. In the last two games, Sunderland have created more XG than their opponents. So they're creating a lot of chances, and that's by a considerable margin as well. They've also missed six big chances across the two games against Ipswich and Preston, which gives me the indication that they're getting in good areas they're just not being clinical enough which is always a case with some teams at the start of the season you mix that with Rotherham conceding a hell of a lot of chances and not even being able to finish a game with 11 men yet um, I'm you know leaning heavily towards Sunderland and also considering those stats and I had to look heavily into these stats because there's more stakes riding on it this season Rotherham without winning their previous 14 away league games so they're going up to Sunderland which is a I would say a tough place to go, but Sunderland's home record wasn't as good as their away record last season. I just think Sunderland have got a little bit more quality than, than Rotherham at the moment and can sustain more attacks, which should see them over the line. And I'm begging them. I don't want to spend 24 hours on the bus. This should see them over the line. 
Yeah. Ironic that you could potentially be traveling yeah. from Sunderland and they could be one of the teams that let you down along the way. Um, I'm not going to disagree with you on this pick, Justin. I think Sunderland have much more quality than Rotherham. I think Rotherham were quite unfortunate at the weekend. Of course, as you mentioned, having the man sent off, they ultimately went on to let in two goals and lose their two goal lead. And I mean, that sending off, I've still seen plenty of debate over on social media ever since then. So yeah, Rotherham were all right. Actually, no. They were better than all right. They played quite well against Blackburn um, at the weekend before the sending off. The weekend before that, against Stoke, they were pretty bang average. And despite having a man sent off in that one, they would have still lost, even if they did have that man sent off. So, yeah, Rotherham were yet to really nail down. Um, Sunderland, also quite hard to nail down because they haven't had the greatest of starts. But you'd be amazed if they didn't win this game I think that's quite fair to say well exactly I think that's why I'm siding with them it's mainly because they've created a lot of chances despite losing against Ipswich and uh, remind me again who they lost against at the weekend I'm so flustered by this Preston Preston they still created a large amount of chances against Preston as well the stats have been on their side but it's not always about that Uh, you know Rotherham could easily take something away from the game that's how the championship goes sometimes but it's just it's swinging heavily in Sunderland's favour at the moment for me anyway yeah, yeah, I think it's hard to disagree with that. My banker for this weekend is Ipswich to beat QPR at Loftus Road. Now, I've been tremendously impressed so far with Ipswich. Of course, I backed them to finish in the top two in our league table predictions, and my confidence in that happening has only been reinforced with a brilliant start. Got a great win away at Sunderland on the opening weekend, and then simply outclassed Stoke last Saturday. They look a class act. They look exceptionally well-drilled and that momentum from last season has seamlessly carried over into this season. Since the 18th of February, they've picked up 47 points from a possible 51 in the league. That is absolutely mind-blowing. Just astonishing consistency on their behalf. They look like the real deal and it's very difficult to see them slipping up against QPR. QPR are not very good, <laughs> predicted um, by us or pretty much by everyone to get relegated this season. Huge question marks over whether Gareth Ainsworth is the man to lead this QPR side, particularly with his one-dimensional tactics. Question marks over the quality of the squad. They got battered by Watford on the opening weekend. Did win against Cardiff last weekend to give QPR fans a bit of hope. Despite the win, I wasn't too impressed. The first goal was a defensive mistake. The second was a good counter-attack in fairness to them. But I don't think Cardiff were up to much. And a better side would have got a result on that day, I reckon. QPR have struggled more at home than away as well under Ainsworth. They won just four points from a possible 21 at Loftus Road since Ainsworth has come in. If they go a goal down, the atmosphere can quickly turn there and there could be a lot of frustration on show from supporters who are far from convinced about the way the club is being run and the way it's being managed. The bottom line here is Kieran McKenna is a far superior manager to Gareth Ainsworth. One... I believe is destined for the top. The other, I believe, is out of his depth at this level. Here he is. The Ipswich Town superfan, Mr. Tractor Boy himself. He just can't get enough. You're doing nothing to dispel the rumour of you being a, a, a Townie fan, are you? It's uh, it's getting quite... Well, the evidence is stacking up against you quite heavily. And 
this anti-QPR rhetoric you've, you've got bubbling as well. It's all there. It's all there on show, Ryan. Look, QPR are just not very good. <laughs> it's not <laughs> simple as that. Um, and as far as being an Ipswich fan goes, I'm a fan of how the club's being run. I'm a fan of the manager. I'm a fan of uh, the squads. So I guess in some ways I am a fan. Am I a supporter of Ipswich Town in the traditional sense? I'm not, but, you know, let the people keep talking, I suppose. Yeah, there's 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 one team a season where you cling yourself to like a like a clingy, um, I don't know, sticky jellyfish sticking to something sticky. I don't know really what they do, but you, you cling Good on similar. to... Yeah, it's terrible, wasn't it? You, you, you stick yourself to a club every season. One club, it was Brentford a couple of years ago. It's been Luton Town and now it's Ipswich. And now Ipswich fans have got to get used to this uncomfortable kissing and hugging of Kira McKenna. What's the common denominator with those <laughs> two teams you mentioned before, Justin? Well run, um, sell players for profit and eventually get promoted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know what? Maybe that's a good thing that I'm so pro Ipswich Town. But look, I, I think Ipswich have been exceptional so far. If if I have to throw a question back at you, Justin, and put you very much on the spot, which team do you think has impressed you the most in these first two weeks? Well, it's a, it's a, yeah, it is a good question, actually. I would lean towards Ipswich because they've shown two sides of their game and also I'd lean towards Coventry City as well. Coventry City have done a similar thing to Ipswich where I feel that if maybe if the changes didn't come for Coventry in the Leicester game, they probably would have got a result or maybe would have got a result and they pummeled Middlesbrough. They showed two sides of the game as well in that you've got Coventry uh, against Leicester. They were very defensive, quite structured and on the counter-attack and then the front foot against Middlesbrough. So when you've got teams like Ipswich and Coventry who can flip the switch that quickly and easily between games and um, play play to their opposition, yeah, it's going to be a good season for them, or you expect it to be a good season for them. I would 100% agree with that. I was, I've been amazed by how well Ipswich have taken to being back in the championship. Coventry, considering all the rumours about, you know, Gustavo Hamer's future and him now departing since um, and Victor Yokra is not being in there anymore I think they've looked top class um, mm-hmm. in in the first two games of course lost in the Leicester game but still put on a great show and then were easily the best the better side against Middlesbrough so I would completely agree with that and that's why I'm so hot on Ipswich Town this season Justin um, let's move on to my outsider for this weekend and coincidentally it's Coventry City to win away at Swansea. Now, I was a bit surprised to see Coventry as the outsiders for this game. Quite big outsiders as well. But you know what? I'll happily take it because I have been really impressed with them so far, as we've just established. They gave Leicester a really good game on the opening weekend and could have easily won that one. And they were comfortable winners against Middlesbrough last weekend. Despite the departures of Victor Crescent Gustavo Hamer, they've signed really well. Hadji Wright looks very dangerous. Got his first goal against Borough as well. Milan van Ekwijk was lively in that game. Tatsuhiro Sakamoto looked exciting when he came on. Ella Sims hasn't had a good start, but it's only two games, so no need to get carried away with how he started off. Add to that what they've already got, and I'm feeling very positive about Coventry. Swansea have won one point from their first two. They've not been bad by any means. They played out a draw against a strong Birmingham side on the opening weekend, then lost to West Brom last weekend, but probably deserved something from that game. 
I just think it's going to take a while for the players to transition from Russell Martin ball to what Michael Duff wants to do because it is a bit more direct. I think Swansea will be a good side this season, but I just rate Coventry much more highly. They've been exciting and have looked like a sight of fear so far. Completely agree on the Coventry side of things. I think, I think the only thing you can disagree with, and I was going to two-foot you on this before actually looking into it myself, is is how Swansea City uh, are the odds-on favourites for this game. Uh, from a bookies' odds perspective, it's absolutely bonkers. There's no logical reason for that to be the case, considering Coventry's much better start to that of Swansea's. So, it's, are they the odds-on favourites? I don't I, think they're the odds-on favourites just now. I thought they were like quite strong favourites, but not odds-on. be honest with you, Ryan, I've been doing this for a long time. Still don't quite understand how bookies' odds work. I just try and go right. with the flow a little bit, which is probably why yeah. I struggle. So odds-on is when you are below evens, which Swansea aren't. Okay. Is that a good thing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, what a learning curve this has been on the Second Tier Podcast. We're learning as we go along here. It's a lesson. I think this is why there's that loser mentality in terms of how this might end up for me at the end of the season because, yeah, understanding bookies odds is a struggle, but we're here for, we're here to have a good time, aren't we? Um, but I would 100% yeah be behind Coventry on this one, so I can't disagree with you. As you say, Swan doing that bit of a that transition phase, playing a lot more long balls than they were under Russ Martin. So it's going to be a bit of ad, um, adapting from the from the squad. I think Coventry are well set to, to 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 get into their flow a lot quicker because they've their group of players have been together longer under Mark Robbins. Yeah, just a quick question for you, Justin. Because, um, of course, and as I keep reminded you, you had Coventry outside of the mm. top six in your league table prediction. If you had to re-pick your league table predictions right now, would you have Coventry in there? It's it's much easier to make that assessment after a couple of games, mainly because there are teams that have surprised me with how poor they've been. No teams. I was, think, I was thinking more along the lines of their signings have been very impressive since we did the league table predictions, haven't they? So it's not just based off the first two games. I'm talking more about the transfer business as well. Yeah, it would still be interesting though to see how the signings get used to the intensity of the championship once we get past that first international break. So that's really the big hurdle. Between October and December is the big hurdle when the games are horrendously piled up. When you've got League Cup action, if you're still in the League Cup, and you've got Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday on several occasions. So I'm still, I'm still leaning towards eighth but I'm probably playing it a little bit safer with that mainly because I just I just yeah, good signings are good signings I am aware of that and you spend a lot of money you expect a lot of things just don't want to lump too much expectation behind a lot yeah, basically a new squad getting together see I just find that astonishing mm-hmm. because you are as we all know the president of the Mark Robbins fan club mm-hmm. If you rate him so highly as a manager, surely you'd expect him to get a top six place considering how much they've spent this summer, how impressive their recruitment's been. I don't really see what the fault is. Please correct me if I'm wrong, Coventry fans, but I don't think Mark Robbins had to deal with this level of turnover in his squad, nor has he had this level of resource. So that with that level of resource comes bigger spend. With bigger spend, you attract better players and better players come with bigger egos it's I think it might be a little bit of a lesson for Mark Robbins at times as well but if you know if all the if it lands at the same time and everything comes together at the same time Mark Robbins gets it blending together at the same time very nicely it can be a very very positive season just think there's too many ifs and buts for me to really commit to them being in a top six uh, top six team right now for that to for that to be the case hmm not sure about that <laughs> but I'm looking forward to 
you being the biggest fan of Mark Robbins and him turning around and throwing a pie right in your face. Um, let's do your outsider, Justin. Who have you gone for? You're saying this through gritted teeth, but not in a, not in a good way, really. Millwall, I've got Millwall to beat Norwich at Carrow Road. It's, it's quite a significant one, mainly because of how good Norwich have been so far. But I just feel like Millwall are the ideal away side. And maybe I'm throwing too much behind Gary Rowett here to... Um, well, for this for this to be my favourite, essentially. Norwich are heavy favourites for good reason. Uh, they've won 10 of the last 14 meetings between the two teams, so they've got a good record against Millwall. And you mix that with them being very good going forwards this season and being very effective on the counter-attack in the opening two games. Their average possession so far has been 43%. That lends to that counter-attackive style of play. But I think Millwall are going to out counter-attack Norwich if that makes sense they're going to want Norwich to have the ball which is going to play in Millwall's favour in this in this fixture they're the sort of team Millwall especially when a when a team's in form like Norwich are to really come up and spoil your day they'll ruin your Saturday Millwall they, they love doing it Tom Bradshaw loves doing it they will win 1-0 they'll have one shot on target you'll have 13 shots and 6 on target and 6% possession but Millwall will come away with a 1-0 win in a clean sheet that's just how it goes sometimes not a lot of logic there, but it's just a, it's just that sort of that Millwall way that sometimes Gary Rowett can really can really get going, especially as they've not really hit the stride that I expected them to this season. So my, my my the way I'm leaning is, and the reason why I'm leaning that way is because I just think Millwall are going to give say to Norwich, you have the ball, we're going to counterattack, and I think Norwich are going to struggle to break them down because they've been a counterattacking team so far this season, and. Uh, We've not seen him have the ball in large quantities just yet. Mm. I will admit, I've been very impressed by Norwich so, so far. I. I had my doubts over them at the beginning of the season. Picked them as my biggest underachiever. But I've got to say, they've looked really good so far. Battered Hull on the opening weekend. Gave Southampton a good game last weekend. So I'm not sure I can get behind you on uh, this pick, Justin. Uh, I just think... That if the first two games are anything to go by, then David Wagner may have turned the tide, considering how poor things were for Norwich at the back end of last season. We won't get carried away just yet, but Norwich are one of the teams who have really impressed me so far. Well, they, they've impressed me massively. And just the amount of chances they're creating on the counter-attack has been quite astonishing. They were really effective against Southampton, but Southampton, with the quality they've got, it, be, it became a bit of a tennis match at times. But we've not seen Norwich have to dominate with the ball. We've not seen Norwich have to um, be that counter-attacking team yet. I don't think they were that against Hull. They were, you know, Hull are a possession-based side and they looked really effective catching them on the break. It just depends how how flat and how rigid Millwall want to be. If they can be peak Millwall, then I can certainly see a result. It just depends which Millwall shows up because they do start slow to seasons. They have proved that in the past. Yeah. They're, they're very much doing the Millwall of old where they're just good, aren't they? And we've seen that in their results so far with a great win away at Middlesbrough and then a less convincing performance at home to Bristol City. So let's see which Millwall side turns up at Carrow Road. Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll do some news from the past few days. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to the Secretary Podcast. Now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news and Jack Harrison has left Leeds to go on loan to Everton. He was going to sign for Everton, then Aston Villa swooped in and he looked like he was going to be going there instead. But they then realised he's injured and ended up signing for Everton anyway. It's like pulling on a night out into it and then leaving that person to pull someone else who then rejects you and going back to the original person. Have some self-respect, God. Uh, but Justin, this is another player who you picked as a key player for the upcoming season a few weeks ago. And they've now left the club. I did warn you he was being linked with the move away, but you went ahead and picked him anyway, as you did with quite a few players. There are, there are two things I'll say to that. This feels like yeah, maybe you're trying to be a bit of a one-upman here. You're trying to one-up me in saying, yeah, I told you so. But what I'm actually seeing is, Justin, you're a Premier League scout. That's three players you've picked to be star players for their teams. That's three players who have moved to the Premier League. I rest my case. I'm... I am a Let genius. me jump in there on that one. Um, what you're saying about one-upmanship, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> so you don't agree with me being a Premier League scout? No. <laughs> yeah, more, more or less stating the obvious. You are right, though. But then again, I didn't place these ridiculous clauses into these contracts, did I? It was, it was the previous regime at Leeds United. So I'm going to lay you. Who was it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Leeds fans. No wonder you don't like us. <laughs> um it's, it's these ridiculous clauses, as we say. It's, it's, it's completely daft for, for those to have been in. Just put in um, minimum fee release clauses like every other team. Uh, that way you pocket some cash and you get rid of the wage, but at the same time, not go out and loan and maybe come back um, the season after. You are right. I did pick him. I, I expected him to be a big player. Um, boy, could they use him because they are down to bare bones with their wingers at the moment. Yeah, it's um, it's not looking not looking nice for Leeds at the moment. There's a lot of recruiting that needs to be done in just two weeks of the window to go. I cannot believe that's another player who's gone out on loan. It's actually ridiculous at this point. Leeds have seen eight players go out the door either on loan or in a permanent transfer, and they've made four million pounds in transfer fees from the departures of those eight players. That is ridiculous. In comparison, Leicester have made 79 million from three players. Southampton have seen seven players go, soon to be eight, but will have made 130 million pounds once the Lavia deal is confirmed. Actually bonkers. To be fair, they look like they'll be getting some money for Tyler Adams, assuming he goes out the door, but 
Leeds have seen a lot of players leave with very little compensation, haven't they? Well, this is the thing. is that ability to be able to reinvest. We saw Burnley do it so successfully last season, didn't we? How um, the likes of Dwight McNeil was sold, Nathan Collins sold for big money, Nick Pope as well, and they and they reinvested it into the squad and, and, and they did a damn good job of it as well. Leeds don't necessarily have that opportunity and if if they do stay in the championship this season they don't go up they run the risk of FFP catching up with them or profit and sustainability however you want to coin it um, and I know they got the option to sell those players come the end of next season but the the ability to negotiate a good value for them completely eradicates because you get a little bit more desperate for cash because of making losses and profit and sustainability, profit and sustainability blur creeping up in you quite significantly. Yeah, and people may be saying, so what if they don't get money for these players now? They will do at some point. But the issue with that is, firstly, the new owners will want to get back to the Premier League straight away and their chances of that happening are constantly getting uppercut after uppercut at the moment. And then secondly, second season syndrome is proving to be a thing for relegated sides, isn't it? West Brom are at serious risk of going out of business, mainly because the owner's a clown, but because they've tried to stay strong and it's simply not worked. Norwich and Watford aren't as strong as they were this time last year and they're in their second seasons. Sheffield United showed that it's not impossible to get promoted in the second season, but they've had financial problems in the past year doing so. So that's why if you've just been relegated and can afford to keep some big names, you may as well do so, like Leicester and Southampton have done. Leeds have lost a lot of talented players and will probably lose more. And the thing is as well, if they do have to wait another year for those players to be sold, their value could drop quite significantly to what it is at the moment because teams may look at Leeds and say, well, you're, you guys look a bit desperate to sell. So that's why it's a bit of a mess what's happening at Leeds. So it feels like they're having a reset, but probably the biggest reset we've ever seen from a relegated side coming down to the championship. And it's not completely by choice. It's basically just happened to them because of the incompetence of Victor Orta. He has done, and whoever else at Leeds, because it may not just be solely down to him, but Victor Orta has completely done Leeds over Ante. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has. There's no other way of saying it, really. He did the same thing to Middlesbrough with that ridiculous spending spree all those years ago. Um, and unfortunately, Leeds uh, are doing the same thing. Logically, these sorts of clauses, okay, you get relegated, um, you, you shift wages off the, um, off the off the wage bill, but at the end of the day, the, the squad's not quite where it needs to be to, to, to really compete at that top level and you lose the quality that they have done. And I know Leeds fans will say, well, they got us relegated, they shouldn't be at the club. Well, who, who else is around at the moment? You, you, you Not only have you lost quality, but you've lost numbers as well. So, yeah, it's completely daft. Um, it's, it's just daft, isn't it? It's just daft. It's the only way to describe it. It's daft. And if you get described as daft, do you really have the... Uh, the, the, the um, the ability to negotiate a, a good paying job in football again if you describe as a daft director of football probably not hmm. well I mean it, it was basically Victor Orta's fault that they got relegated in the first place and the legacy that he is leaving <laughs> is messy. actually crippling Leeds at this point isn't it and the way things are going they could be stuck in the championship for quite some time. Um, meanwhile, Daniel Farker has confirmed that both Willie Nonto and Luis Sinistera are training separately and are not involved in the dressing room. Quite funny, the idea of them being made to get changed outside because they're banned from the dressing room. Do you 
reckon they're having to wear spare kit as well that doesn't fit them, like PE. Yeah, training in their pants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> training in their pants and with their uh, with like muddied up white tees because there's nothing else to to go around. Or mm. they've done a shot. Some rugby boots. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> rugby studs and rugby boots rugby boots with studs missing that would be the ultimate <laughs> ultimate um yeah disgrace yeah it's a it's a bad situation they're all a bit farked aren't they let's be honest Leeds, daniel farker the rest of them just just farked at the moment absolute fark up into it um looks like it's going to be a case of two in one out at Middlesbrough, Chew Brackpom has joined Ajax for a fee of around £10 million. In through the door is Atalanta striker Emmanuel Latte Lath and left back Lucas Engel from Danish side Silkborg. They both signed four year deals. Akpom going isn't surprising, is it makes sense for Middlesbrough to sell final year of his contract. He's had one good year. I personally think he would have continued his good goal scoring form, but it's undoubtedly. A risk relying on a player to score goals for you when his highest tally in a season was eight. So you may as well sell him while his stock is high, might you? Absolutely. I think it's a really good deal from Middlesbrough. I think it's, it's a deal that suits all parties. There's that risk that he doesn't hit the same heights as he did last season and he set a really high a high bar for himself, obviously. Um, but ultimately, Middlesbrough get a decent wedge for him. He's got a year left in his contract and they can reinvest that money back into the team, which they have done. It's a, everybody's a winner in this situation. It's just a shame that it's taken so long to to get to this point because Middlesbrough needed his players through the door a month ago, not while the season's you know started and everyone's been disappointed with how things have have gone so far. So yeah, it needs to be done a while ago, but it's done and we can move on from it. Really, Ajax seems like a bit of a strange yeah. club to be coming in for him, doesn't it? I don't know. I don't know why. I think it's a great move for him, but it just seems a bit strange that Ajax have gone in for him. I don't think Ajax hold the same stock as they once did, even sort of five, six years ago, maybe. Mm. They were a team competing in the Champions League. But look, he's he's going to play in that, hopefully he plays that number 10 role that he thrived under with Michael Carrick. And it's you know, typically a possession-based um, league, isn't it? The Eredivisie and Ajax play at a high intensity. It might suit them well. We saw Dusan Tadic become an absolute world beater at Ajax and he was getting to a point where he was coming to the end of his time at Southampton quite quickly shall we say um, so he, he may well hit a new height at Ajax we, you know, that would be interesting if he does and I'll be fully behind him because he's, he gave us a really good season last season to commentate on he really did. So some much needed incomings for Middlesbrough, Lucas Engel and Emmanuel Latte Laff, whose surname sounds a bit like something you see on the menu at Starbucks I've done a bit of reading on the two, and Engel, I really like the look of. One player of the season for Silkborg as he finished third in the Danish league. He was originally a winger, but has moved to left back, as you can imagine, likes to get forward a lot, puts in loads of crosses. Basically sounds a bit like a Danish Ryan Giles. And at the end of the day, Middlesbrough desperately need a left back. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he's all about. Also has the Lego logo tattooed on his left thigh, which I thought was a nice, interesting fact for you. Um, Latte Lath has had an interesting few years. Up until 2021, he had been playing in the Italian third tier. And then two seasons ago, he was in the second tier over in Italy and scored three goals all season. Then went on loan to St. Gallen in Switzerland and scored 14. That's the only season he's managed double figures in his career so far, but he was averaging a goal from every five shots. So it does seem like he's coming off the back of an unbelievable season. He's quick as well. 
thing is, now that Akpom's gone and there's no Cameron Archer, there's quite a lot of pressure on him to score goals for Middlesbrough, isn't there? There is, and I think Middlesbrough's track record of signing strikers and expecting goals from them has been incredibly checkered. I think it was Bernie Slavin who was the, um, the last player to score over 20 league goals in a in a campaign, and that was the 80s, late 80s, and obviously that was Ravinelli as well um, in the 90s. So, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. I've, I've seen a few clips, and he can't just go off clips, but he looks like he's got a really good turn of pace, and he's, he's well-balanced. It just depends whether or not there's enough rotation in that team for him to to settle in, but you know his goal record over the last two years has been has been okay. Championships are a different league for him. We'll see how he goes. It's, it's just one of them. You can't really pass comment until you see him a few times. But you know it's it's an exciting signing for Middlesbrough because he signed a player, a striker for money, which is an always it's always an exciting time when a team does that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm interested to see how he does. But as we say, there is a lot of pressure on him to be the goal scorer for Middlesbrough and he's got to carry quite a burden on his shoulders. Southampton are making some serious dough. James Ward-Prowse has officially left for West Ham for a reported fee of £30 million. Romeo Lavia is also set to join Chelsea for £53 million. Do you see anyone else going out the door now, Justin, or do you reckon that's it at St Mary's? I mean, I've suggested that James Ward-Prowse, Gus Hamer and... Um... Can't remember the other one now. Jack Harrison. Jack Harrison will all stay at their their clubs, their respective clubs, and they've all gone. So if I say Kyle Walker Peters will probably stay now, I can't see him going. Then he will probably go. So I don't think there's much more much you know point in me suggesting any other players just through fear of them actually going. I would like to suggest that Southampton won't sell anyone now because they've made enough money for him to last in the championship for a couple of seasons and replace those players that have gone. But as I say, if I say something, the opposite happens. Southampton fans will hate me forever if, uh, if I do start to predict. Um, well, Che Adams is one of those who's yeah. been linked with a move away. And I'm just using his him as an example. But you look at it now, he could be really important to their chances of staying up. So if they get a bid of, what, 15 million for him now, they may look at that and think, why sell him? We don't need to. We've we've just made an, an absolute shitload of cash from three players. So we may as well keep hold of this guy who will be quite important for us next season unless a seriously big bid comes in, which Southampton just have to accept because it's definitely value for money. So, yeah, I, I think Southampton will probably be set now and I'd be surprised if anyone else does go out the door. Leicester have signed 20-year-old midfielder Cesar Casady on loan for the rest of the season from Chelsea. He spent the second half of last season on loan at Reading. I'm a bit surprised he's got this move, Justin. We saw him a fair bit at Reading last season. He won one of the 15 games he played in for them and Yes, I will accept that Reading in general were pretty poor in the second half of the season, but it's quite a jump playing for a relegated side who couldn't buy a win and go to the favourites promotion. He showed the odd flash of talent, but I didn't look at him and think he particularly stood out as someone who should be playing much higher up the league. I'll be honest with you, his loan spell at Reading passed me by quite significantly um that says a lot yeah i know it was on loan but i don't i can't recall him having much impact in any of the games but that being said he's playing in a Portland system which did restrict creative players quite significantly and obviously later on later on with with now hunt where they were fighting for points and again you probably become a little bit more industrial in that in that sense but yeah, if he's got technical ability 
Is there a, a, an ideal manager to play under right now than Enzo Moresco? Maybe Russell Martin. Um, you're going to get a lot of time in possession, so you're going to get a lot of time to showcase what you can do. It might be the right move, but you know, for me, Leicester need a little bit more ingenuity, a little bit more creativity on the technical side of things with the absence of Harvey Barnes and, and James Madison. So you're getting this player as a, as a squad player in at the very least. It's not a bad move and it's a loan signing, so you're not committing a significant amount of money to it either. So, yeah, decent decent squad signing. Not expecting much because we didn't see much of him last season at Reading. Yeah. Incredibly, Chelsea were looking for him to go out on loan to a Premier League club, according to reports at one point. Just don't see how they would have been able to justify that. But, hey, he's a young lad. It's happened before where a youngster has gone on loan somewhere, not pulled up many trees and then done really well elsewhere. I think Taylor Harbour-Bellis is a decent example of that. I just don't think Leicester really need him to be straight to the point uh, the Telegraph is reporting Birmingham have agreed a fee for Midland striker Sorry Cabber he was on loan at Cardiff last season and finished as their top goal scorer despite only joining them in January he has also been linked with a move to other championship sides and teams in Spain if this does come off though I think this will be an excellent signing completely agree with you we rarely message message each other uh, now it's mainly just podcast stuff but when we message each other about players signing you know, it's you know we are excited about it because we usually swear quite quite a lot around it. Um, and sorry, Kevin was one that you sent to me, and I completely agree with you. It's, it's, it will be a very tidy signing. He, he did a lot at Cardiff last season. We got to remember how poor Cardiff were in terms of creating chances, so you had to be clinical. And sorry, Kevin showed that. He led the line um, brilliantly. Um, I know there was times where he came out of the team as well as came came off uh, from the bench. He scored that bicycle kick. I can't remember who it was against, but he's got the ability. He's got that technical side of it as well, of leading the line. That you know, not he's not just the physical side of it as well. So, yeah, he, he will be an exciting signing for for any team. There's been quite a few teams linked with him this summer as well. So, yeah, I'm interested to see where he goes if it's Birmingham. Birmingham have had the best window. If it happens in Watford, and it would be suit Ishmael quite nicely as well. So. Yeah, he's, he's got the pick of his clubs at the moment, which is a, a testament to how well he played last season at Cardiff. Well, he essentially kept him up <laughs> last season, didn't he? Well, him and Reading's points deduction. Um, Cardiff just looked like so much more of a dangerous side when he was on the pitch, didn't they? Because they were very blunt up until the point that he came in. He was just such a handful, brilliant in the air, clinical in front of goal, averaged a goal from around every one in four shots and could score all types of goals as well. Birmingham need a striker. I was saying that my excitement around them would take a hit if they still had Scott Hogan as their first choice striker come September and Cabber is certainly an upgrade. So I really hope this move comes off. I just think it would be a brilliant signing on their behalf. And finally, championship legend Billy Sharp has joined LA Galaxy. He'll be there until the end of the 2023 season and there's the option for an additional year. David Beckham to Billy Sharp, the natural progression there from LA Galaxy. Well, you say natural progression, but I think this 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 signing is going to trump the Messi signing for Inter Miami, in my opinion. You've got one goat to another. Um, it's just a league filling up with goats. It's incredible. Um, Billy Sharp's going to, you know, the, the fat man from Sheffield who likes to be coined, or, or he doesn't like to be coined. I think he embraces it's it. It's his Twitter bio, isn't it? Yeah, he, fat okay, man from I, oh, I thought I was offending him, but he embraces it. I completely, yeah, that's, that's good then. But... He's going to go over there. He's going to score goals, um, maybe. I do actually, if I was going to throw a prediction down, I think he'll be back in the championship in in March when the MLS season is officially done. And probably at Rotherham, where he probably scores to, to keep them in the championship coming into the campaign. 
Hey, I'm not going to disagree with that prediction. I don't think you may be too far wrong considering he has only got a deal until the end of uh, 2023. So, yeah, I, um, it certainly caught my eye when mm. I saw this one because I was um, I was not expecting it at all. But, yeah, as you say, there is a lot of goats in the MLS now. It's basically a farm at this point, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I'm all for this kind of signing. I'm, I may even tune into a bit of MLS to see how he gets on. Uh, Justin, now it's time for this. Scott High or Ryan Lowe? Yes, it's time for Scott High or Ryan Lowe. This is the game where we have to rank four things from highest to lowest. Simple as that. There's three questions. This week, Justin will be providing the questions for myself. What do you got for me, peachy boy? It's plays with the most caps for Wales currently playing in the Championship right now. The first one. Ooh, I like this. So okay. You've got Andy King, Ethan Ampadu. Joe Roden and Daniel James. Hmm. Ampadu and James. Okay, sorry, I'm just writing them down. Mm-hmm. Just have to remind people that I'm not just rambling incessantly for once. Um, see, Andy King is quite old compared to the rest. Don't think he played that much for Wales, though. Whereas I think Ampadu has and I think James has as well to be fair so with that being said I'm going to go Roden at the bottom mm-hmm. King second bottom mm-hmm. and then I'll go with oh Ampadu James Ampadu James you've butchered that have I okay, yeah you've butchered that so it surprised me Andy King's actually top with 50 caps Fair but enough. He, I did not think he had that many. He's about seven or eight year old, years older than the rest of him. Dan James is next with 45, which surprised me because then Ethan Ampadu is next with 44. And he's been playing for Wales since he came out of his mother's womb, let's be honest. <laughs> and then Joe Roden. Joe Roden is bottom with 37, um, which again surprised me because Wales aren't um, aren't blessed with centre-halves. What's Roden on? Sorry, I want less. Uh, 37. 37. Okay, that, that's, that's more than I thought. I, I know... Roden's basically first choice there now, but I didn't think he actually played that many games. Mm. Um, next one then, Justin. Which of these countries has had the most players make an appearance in the championship? So I'm looking for um, players who are from a country who have made the most, well, not most appearances, but I think I've just butchered the way I've explained that. You have, but I yeah. think I got it in the first instance. Go on. The countries are Slovakia, Greece, Canada and Algeria. Right. So it's the okay. most, most players of that nationality who are playing in the championship. Yeah, that's a better yeah. way of explaining it. Um, sorry, I'm gonna to have to write them down again. Greece, Canada, Algeria, and who was the other one? Slovakia. <sighs> Slovakia. Um, right. I will go off the top of my head. Algeria top mm-hmm. straight away. Wow. Straight off the bat, I'll go with. Um, you say Canada? I yeah, Canada. Sorry, that was a Canadian Me. accent. Um, I'll go Slovakia, Canada or Greece. Canada, Greece. So you've got Algeria, Slovakia, Canada, Greece. Yes. Butchered it again, Ryan. Butchered okay. it again. It's really surprising. Canada's top with 22 players. Yeah, incredible. It, wow, okay. Yeah. Then it's Algeria with 15 then Greece with 12, and then Slovakia with 11. 
Yeah, okay. I I did not think there were that many Greeks who have uh, spent time in the championship, clearly. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I'll happily take the L on that one. What's the final one, Justin? I need to redeem myself here. Yeah, you've got to get one at least. Which of these dining brands were the most popular in the UK in the U- in 2022, according to UK Statista? I'll throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Weatherspoons, Greggs, Nando's, Toby Carvery. I was going to say, help if you yeah. give me the options. <laughs> um, Weatherspoons, Toby Carvery, Greggs, and what was the other one? Nando's. See, I've never really been a big fan of Nando's, but I know it's a... At one point, it was extremely popular. I'm not sure it's as popular as it once was, mm. but I'll go straight off the bat, Greggs, because I think Greggs has got to be top okay. by quite a distance there. Then Spoons. Then, ooh, Toby Carvery or Nando's. I'll go Nando's because my thinking is Toby Carvery, it's just a one day a week thing where I imagine Nando's is quite busy all the time. So um, that's what I'll go with. So you've you've gone with Greg's, Spoons, Nando's, Toby Carvery. Correct. So close. So close. Oh, really? So close. Literally just Nando's and Weatherspoons the wrong way around. And there's 1% in, in in that as well. So it's Greg's with 67%, mm. then Nando's with 57%, then Weatherspoons with 56%, and Toby Carver. What are these stats based off? It's UK Statista. So it's like the government poll you had me do last week. Similar to that. Oh, based off how, how much you like them. Pretty much. Or That changes yeah. the question quite dramatically. Sorry? That changes the question quite dramatically. Probably does, but because yeah, I, I was basing it off how many people went there, as as opposed to people saying, "Oh yeah, I like that." Yeah, but you got Greg's right, and people are more likely to go to Greg's. And you got Toby Carvey right, and you said it was just a Sunday thing, so your logic was exactly the same process. Do not well, criticize me again no, for a quiz. Right? Well, all I'm saying is that people will happily go to Spoons, but they won't say, "Oh yes, that's one of my favorite things." You're more likely to go for, go to Spoons for a drink and a plate of chips right compared to that of going to nando's for no no beverage no alcoholic booze uh, and chicken what's your point i don't know i don't really know neither do i <laughs> <laughs> shall we end this here this has been scott high or iron low and this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back again on sunday to give you a review of all the games coming up this weekend so we bloody look forward to seeing you then this has been the second tier podcast i've been ryan Dilks. i've been justin peach And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs>